Hello everyone, welcome back to the Answer Business Show. My name is Chris Pastrana and today we're here with Jack Wang from Longhorn Financial LLC. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, Chris. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's get started. Tell me a little about yourself and what led you to, what was it, becoming a financial coach? Yeah. Um, so I have experience as a commercial banker. Um, that's my professional experience. Um, I got into finance uh, years ago. Um, so I tell the story to some people. So when I was a kid, young teenager, I remember my mother at the time had opened up a, uh, a certificate of deposit for me at, at, at the local bank. It's $500 at 8% interest. Now you can think about sort of how long ago that was yeah. right, to get 8% interest. Oh, yeah. And remember, so 500 bucks at 8% is 40 bucks for the year. And then she introduced me, you know, one of her coworkers, I think, introduced me to this whole notion of, uh, of a mutual fund. And I remember then she took the money, put it in there. And of course, I was a kid. I didn't know any better. But this thing was going up 40 bucks a day, right? So from then on, I was hooked, right? I was like, this is amazing, right? Why wait a whole year to make 40 bucks? I make 40 bucks a day. Of course, you realize it can go down too. But yeah. as a kid, I didn't know that. Uh, but that was really how I got hooked. Um, hmm. I started my career in banking. I uh, actually spent some time as a corporate trainer as well. Um, but uh, today I actually have two boys, uh, and then uh, my wife and I live in Westford, so we're right on the New Hampshire border. Yeah. Uh, she she has two kids, so we're living the you know the running around to sports fields and activities, and <laughs> my two are in college, um, so uh, you know typical, pretty typical uh, family, right? So yeah. it's it's running around and. Oh, honey, you got to go to this field, and I'm going to go drop off this one, and then I'll pick up that one, and you pick up that one. You know, just, you know, yeah. whatever. Pretty much everybody deals with, you know, yeah. most families. Yeah. Yeah. That's too funny. Yeah, I know how you feel. Because <laughs> my, my youngest two aren't, you know, old enough to do anything yet. But yeah. the older two are, yeah, they're running around doing stuff, and yeah. it's like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember when I first met my wife and uh, we started dating. Uh, her kids were younger, and I was neck deep in uh, coaching baseball and stuff with my two boys. And I remember her saying specifically, "Gee, I can't, I can't believe you run around so much, right? You run field to field, and you know, three days a week or whatever it was." I said, "Hey, don't worry, honey. You're, you're going to be there too, right?" And and sure enough, right? That's that's what we do now. That's all we do: yeah. run around for our kids' activities. <laughs> Yeah, that's sad. So, yeah, tell yeah. Me, so tell me about being a financial coach. Yeah, so uh, so after banking, um, left the industry and uh, spent some time at one of the major investment firms, uh, mm -hmm. got my licenses. Uh, what I really found at that time was typically the financial industry really helps people who have money, right? For, for the most part, right? Yeah. So if you have you know $500,000 to invest, we'll talk to you. Otherwise, we can't be bothered. Things like that. Uh, but that's not me. That's, you know, unfortunately, I don't have a $500,000 portfolio. Uh, so, you know, what I want to do was really help people. And that was the main thing, right? So whether it was coaching baseball or volunteering or doing this, it's about helping people. But as you start to look around at the, at the country and look at the research that's done, the average American family has debt. Ha, you know, don't have don't have a lot in savings, right? And so, but those people need help also. You know, they make good money, yeah. right? Perhaps mom and dad work, uh, have a good income, but they don't necessarily know what 
they're doing with it and you know they don't have enough money to save to get the attention of the big firms so i really uh got into sort of this area sort of this segment because i really want to help people because it's such a huge market you know i myself was there too when i was in when i was working in the corporate world you know uh, i was making really good money but i had bills and activity fees and you know debt and everything else and um and i remember the challenges that i had you know yeah. of trying to build up savings and then you know, and then something happens. Oh, oh, there goes the savings, right? Oh, and then something else happens. Oh, there goes some. You know, it's got to go on the credit card. Yeah. Um, it's pretty typical, right? Yeah. Uh, so I want to break that cycle, uh, help people break that cycle, and be smart about money uh, and start improving their situations. And what I tell people, Chris, is at the end of the day, you know, whether you have five dollars to your name or five million dollars to name it's never about money it is just never about money it's about the emotions and the values and you know and your feelings and how you're raised with money and things like that so uh oftentimes there'll be people who do things uh not for financial reasons but for emotional reasons and and recognizing that is a big part of uh what i have to deal with in my practice is sort of okay i you know you want to do this thing that's fine. Just, hey, like, I'm not necessarily going to tell you not to. I don't think it's the best idea. But understand the consequences and at least go in with your eyes open, right? If you still yeah. choose to do it, you still choose to do it. Fine. You know, it, it's kind of like smoking. People know yeah. smoking is bad for you. But they, do, they do it anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's – but that's really kind of where I got into it, got the start, was really just kind of helping the average American family deal with finances because – I was and am the average American family. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. And I, I totally agree with you. I think it's an area that, kind of like we were talking pre-show, that people gloss over quite a bit. Right. Either they're scared or the media's got them kind of scared to take take the reins on it. But money right. is slippery for a lot of families. <laughs> it really is. It's slippery. It's very, very emotional. And yeah. so, uh, case in point, you know, my own situation, uh, not long after I graduated college, um, my dad used to work for the small computer company. He got some stock. Well, he passed away uh, rather suddenly. And as an only child, he left his stock to me. Yeah. And I held on to it. It, was, it wasn't a huge amount of money, but I held on to it for an emotional reason. It was my tie to my dad. It was yeah. his stock. Well, I wrote that thing to zero, right? Just whoosh, right to zero. Um, but I couldn't sell it for emotional reasons, even though financially I should have sold it, put it to work, been much smarter with it. Yeah. And so it's things like that that, um, that I've also experienced that I now see other families doing or experiencing that I want to be able to help with. I, I get it. You know, I it was... It's like $10,000. I basically just, whoop, you know, but it was my emotional tie to him. So I, you know, looking back, I understand it. Yeah. But it was $10,000 I could have done something else with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could have been much better off than with yeah. zero. Exactly. You know, yeah. yeah. Okay, right. cool. So I know one of your specialties is retirement. Yep. <laughs> so let's jump into retirement a little bit. Yeah. You know, something that uh, people don't really want to think about until it's time, right? Like anything, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, I'll, I'll deal with it when I get there. Um, and what you find typically, <clears throat> excuse me, on on the internet or what these firms and most professionals is they do what's called retirement planning. 
which makes sense, you know, hey, Chris, um, you know, you want to retire at age 65. So from now until then, you just have to save this much money and we'll invest it at this much. And, and by the time you hit 65, you'll be all set, right? And that's pretty much it. And it's a very much investment focused approach. Um, you know, so typically it starts with that goal, you know, when you want to retire, and then it's the risk tolerance questionnaire. Uh, and then from that spits out the, well, Chris, you should be this percentage in stocks, this percentage in bonds, yeah. this percentage in cash, and, and you know, and, and there you go, right? Uh, what I do is actually something called retirement income planning, which really um, looks at all the different pieces of what you have and how they work together and how to minimize costs. So, uh, so for example, how do we maximize Social Security? Right? What are the strategies? And for married couples, there's literally hundreds of different combinations that they can do. Um, how do we then time that with when you withdraw from the 401k? Uh, how do we use the equity in your home? How do we use other resources? How do we do it all in a way that minimizes one of the major costs of retirement, which is taxes? Yeah. So if you can minimize that, your money can last longer, right? So, so really, at the end of the day, uh, what I, you know, the process I undertake, sort of what you have for investments kind of doesn't matter. Um, you know, so the investment approach is, let me make you the most money I can make you. My approach is, I can't control how much money I make you because I can't control what the market does. What I can control is some of the costs. So if I can control the tax bill, then quite frankly, you don't need to make as much if you're minimizing the costs, right? So it's, it's a totally different approach. And so it looks at, uh, a much more holistic view of someone's finances and how all these things work together versus, hey, what stock should we buy today? Right, yeah. Chris? It, you know, it, it, like I said, in my view, it really doesn't matter that much. <clears throat> yeah. And yeah, because just some of the things you're talking about, but just by themselves could be incredibly confusing, let alone try to make all of right. those pieces line up properly I mean, right I mean, it's pain. it's one of the things that um i often tell people is um one of the things that keeps people that i find that keeps people from getting ahead financially is not um you know picking bad investments or whatever it is it's making unintentional mistakes and that's all it is right it's unintentional mistakes mm -hmm. so what i'm talking about is um because you, because most people don't do this day in and day out. So they don't know the rules around Social Security. They don't know the rules around taxation. What I see all the time is someone does something, they did it, but they didn't realize the consequence. Oh, there's an extra 10 grand in taxes now you have to pay. Um, Social Security, uh, hey, if I claim now versus this time using this strategy, they, they don't see it, but I can show them, well, that meant that you just threw away $100,000 in lifetime benefits. Okay. You know, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't have made those decisions, but again, going in with eyes wide open. So unintentional mistakes that we don't necessarily see uh, easily sort of hold us back, yeah. right? Um, and I see those all the time. And so I have a client who says, Jack, I really want to, to make this simple. I want to make my finances simple. So I was doing this for this client on the cusp of retirement. And the strategy I came up with is kind of complicated. And he said that. And, but I told him, I'm like, it has to be complicated because the tax code is complicated. The <laughs> yeah. rules around Medicare are complicated. The rules around Social Security is Medica uh, complicated. So I have to introduce a certain level of complication 
to address those levels of complication yeah. because if I just had my 401k and that's it, yes, that's very easy, but then you also have no flexibility to avoid some of the traps and and you'll end up making those unintentional mistakes because you have nothing else. Yeah. So, so it, it's a different mindset for most people. It's a different approach than what most people do. Um, because most people think, oh, I don't, I don't have enough money uh, to invest. I'll, I, I won't talk. And I was like, well, actually, you know, you, you think about Social Security as the bedrock of your financial plan, yeah. your retirement plan. Why don't you just be smart about that, right? And then go from there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's actually a really good question because Social Security is one of the things that's constantly being brought up. And I know even you even brought it up in the, some of the post questions or pre questions. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about Social Security a little bit because <laughs> nope. that's doom and gloom in the media right. and all that. So that's that's probably a pretty good area to cover. Yeah, you get a lot of news these days about Social Security running out of money. Uh, the, the truth of the matter, it's not that it's running out of money, it's running out of the surplus. Uh, when Social Security was first created uh, after the Great Depression, for every worker that was collecting at that time, and there were very few workers collecting at that time, but for everyone that was collecting, there was I think something like 30, 30 people, 20 or 30 people paying into the system. Mm -hmm. Okay, so everybody's paying, chipping a little bit to pay the benefits for this one person. Today, at the low point, it'll be 2.2 workers for every retiree. Mm -hmm. So people just aren't paying in, there just aren't enough people paying in yeah. to pay the benefits that have been promised. So it's not that it's running out, it's not that it's be bankrupt, but what will happen under the current course is that um, you'll only get about 77 to 79% of what you were promised. So Chris, if you were supposed to get a thousand bucks a month, as an example, you would only get 770 or $790. Mm -hmm. So you'll still get something. It just won't be as much as what you thought it might be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> but eventually wouldn't that just lead to the, as that keeps going, that would kind of present a problem? Well, I mean, it's yeah. a problem anyway, uh, yeah. because you know, people, the unfortunate matter is people are relying on upon Social Security for their income, and yet it was never meant to be the sole yeah. source. Um, at the 77 or 79% rate for quite a while, it will just stay there um, because Social Security takes in enough to be able to pay that out, right? So as soon as they take the money in, they're paying it right back out. So people still get their money. Um, eventually, I think with the, with the millennial generation sort of getting to higher incomes and stuff. I, th I think the the system will get better over time because sort of my, you know, my generation, Generation X, there's relatively few of us. Um, so eventually you'll get to the point where there'll be a surplus again because you have a, a big population of millennials. But then when they hit retirement age, unless they have a lot of kids, you can, they're going to end up having the same problem that yeah. the baby boomers you know, that we're talking about now, right? So. Yeah. Um, it'll sort of come and go in waves. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> Have a lot of kids. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing is that population growth, the young is supposed to pay for the old. Right. Essentially. But if that doesn't happen because, you know, population growth has been slowing down. Right. Then you can see those problems. Right. Interesting. Right. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So let's talk. Let's see. So you got Social Security, which is one that's constantly being brought up. Um, taxes, the other one you talked about that is kind of interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and people, you know, people don't like to think about taxes. They yeah. think about it, you know, once a year. Hey, yeah. I hand all my paperwork to my um, uh, tax accountant. They fill out the 1040, sign here, get the refund, done. 
right? Uh, but really, taxes really kind of go through the year. And in retirement, um, there's so many things to watch out for because there's so many rules around taking money out of uh, retirement accounts. Uh, but not only that, but it can also trigger hidden taxation. So um, if you go beyond a certain income level, um, ta there are taxes on your Social Security benefits. If you go beyond a certain level, um, you trigger higher Medicare premiums. So it becomes a game of sorts of how do you get money out in a way that you have enough money to live on, right? But that you don't unintentionally trip some of these thresholds. So for example, if you go over the first Social Security taxation threshold, even if you go over by a dollar, it can trigger several thousand dollars in taxes. So you're, you, you cross the line just a little bit and boom, there's an extra $2,000 tax bill. Well, you don't want to do that, yeah. right? So, so, that, so managing, that's why retirement income planning is about this kind of stuff, is managing those things so you don't actually trip some of these unintended uh, sort of landmines, if you will. Yeah, right? that's interesting. Because, yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard that a few times before, and I think anyone that listens knows my viewpoint on taxes, but <laughs> <laughs> I think most people have them. Yeah. But uh, it, it's interesting when you think about it, because, yeah, that'd be pretty easy to be like, oh, I made an extra, you know, a couple hundred dollars this year. Right. And like, oh, no, I just fell into a new tax bracket. <laughs> right. And and one of the things, you know, sometimes people will say, well, I'm going to take Social Security early because I need I need the money. Yeah. But I'm going to continue working. Okay. Well, if you take Social Security early, but then you continue working, the money you earn can offset your Social Security benefits. So there are situations I see where people have taken it early, as early as 62, but they continue working at their job. Well, their earnings from the job and the formula that Social Security uses, it completely wipes out their Social Security benefits. So they've claimed it, they've locked in the low benefit for life, yeah. but while they're still working, they're actually getting zero uh, You know, until, until they stop working. So sort of what's the point of that, right? Yeah. You know, you might as well just keep working, not have claimed, and just get more later, you know, or have done something else, let's say. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, that almost seems like they just don't understand how it works. Yeah. It's, and you know, like I said, all this stuff works together and the coordination of it and the timing of it, uh, because it can, it can lead to a lot of extra costs um, that are just unintended. So, um so I spend a, a large amount of time with my clients, you know, sort of figuring the stuff out, right? So how do we do it in a way that doesn't wipe out your social security benefits completely or, um, or just lead to extra taxation or other penalties or whatever the case may be? Yeah, yeah. Hmm, that's pretty cool. So I guess here's a good one. Uh, when should they start planning for retirement? <laughs> yeah, so, um, so a lot of people, you know, will kind of think about uh, – after my kids are out of college and after I'm done paying that bill, then I'll write the next thing will be save retirement. I'll focus on it then. Uh, what I encourage people to do is start much earlier, uh, whether it's saving the workplace retirement plan or otherwise. But here's the thing, um, retirement income planning and having that flexibility to avoid these landmines involves having different buckets of money. So it's not just the workplace 401k, but it might be uh, tax-free money like Roths or permanent life insurance or other things. So, you know, you for to have the flexibility later, 
you want to take steps now. And the earlier you take steps by creating these different buckets of money, the earlier you start, the more you're going to have, obviously, but then you will have the flexibility later because some of these options might not be available later. Yeah. Right. So people say, well, I, well, I can't really, I can't really do that. You know, yeah, I don't have the money. I, I, I get it, but let's maybe find the money. Let's be smarter about some other stuff about debt. Um, maybe you're uh, contributing more than the company match. So maybe you back that off. So you only you know contribute enough to get the company match, but then anything above and beyond that that you were doing, maybe we di- redirect it over here, right? So there's different ways to start this process. So uh, obviously, you know, the earlier you start, the better off. But uh, again, what I tell people is the way you save and what you save into is as important as sort of like what you pick for your investments, yeah. right? And we talked about the taxation thing and everything else. Yeah. That's pretty good. So let's see. So I guess the next thing we can jump into is we, we kind of brushed on it earlier where people are kind of more people are in retirement right? <laughs> and people are living longer. So by the time they're getting ready to retire, how long typically should they be planning? If that makes sense, like how much money should they be planning there? Because there's a lot more than there used to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah, longevity. Um, longevity is um, is the biggest unknown, and it's um, and often referred to as the risk multiplier. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason it's a risk multiplier is if you think about uh, the risk in retirement. So whether it's taxation, making your money last, um, you know, even healthcare, long-term care type of expenses. If you retire today and pass away tomorrow. You don't have to worry about any of this stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> None of this stuff matters. Um, but unfortunately, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, most people aren't in that situation. So, uh, so the longer you live, the more this stuff matters. And so, uh, the average uh, male who's 65 today can live to early 80s. Uh, average female into the early, uh, I'm sorry, into the late 80s, into early 90s. They're a member of a couple. They're into you know. There's a good percentage that at least one of them will make into the 90s. Um, there's sort of this running joke. Uh, the key to longevity for men. There was a study done by someone say so. It's kind of a, it's kind of funny, but this key to longevity for men is being married. <laughs> the key to longevity for women is being single. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Um, yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, I read that, and it's it's what the numbers say. Um, yeah. But, you know, you're looking at uh, potentially, you know, 90, 90, 90, 90 plus. There's a, a growing percentage of population that's 100 plus. Um, so what that means conceivably is that you might spend as many years in retirement as you spent in the workforce. Hmm. Think about that. Yeah. Right? Um, so all the years that you're working, you have to save up enough to be able to support yourself for as many years, uh, for the same number of years, but on the golf course or, you know, whatever it is that you like to do in retirement, yeah. right? So it's, it's a big issue. And so, um, you know, studies have been done and sort of planning around this. How much should I take out of the 401k? You know, um, you have to account for the fact that you're probably going to be around for a while. Um, so you got to be kind of careful um, in terms of withdrawals, which makes this whole thing, again, another layer of complication. 
um, because you take too much out in the beginning, mm. you know, then the money isn't there later yeah. for, you know, when you're older, all right? And we don't want that, so. Yeah, that's very interesting because I, I knew people were living longer, but I hadn't even thought about, you know, we were just thinking about maintaining the way you live almost twice as long. Right. And when, when people typically live up to their means throughout their life, Right. To even think that they should technically have twice that amount of money, <laughs> right, is like right. is pretty, you know, dazzling. I right. guess. Yeah, you know, and part and part of it is, you know, people say, well, I can always cut back my expenses and stuff, and that, and that's true, right? That's true, Chris. We can always cut back our expenses. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I think back to you know when I was in college, right, and I used to go away with my buddies. Uh, you know, we thought of nothing of you know piling six guys into a car and then you know six people into like a small hotel room or whatever you know yeah i'll sleep on the floor i don't care well that was that you know i need a comfy bed today right, <laughs> right? i don't really want to pile as many people in the room as possible i i want my comfy bed yeah um so you know kind of our standards get raised so uh so in retirement people can say well i, I can cut back on this i can cut back on this yeah but do you want to <laughs> yeah you know, yes, I can eat ramen noodles, like you know the joke for college students. Do I want to today? Yeah, like not really. As, like you're an adult, you worked your entire life. You're used to, you know, you know even middle class life. Do you want to go back to just living like you're in college? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be crazy. Right. So, um, yeah, it's it's something that people, un- unfortunately, what the research shows is unfortunately uh, because the average American family really hasn't saved enough and. They don't necessarily understand all the rules around this stuff. Um, their retirement income tends to be kind of low, and so they end up cutting back because they have to. Yeah. Right. Not because they want to, whatever, but they have to, and that's not a position that I would ever want. You know, I would ever want for myself, or I would ever want for any of my clients. Yeah. Right? For anybody, quite frankly. It's yeah. No fun. Absolutely. <laughs> hmm. I'm sorry. So, you have any other? Good advice before we uh, head up? Yeah, you know, uh, again, it's um, what I tell people is if you don't know the rules, you can't win the game. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just reading one article on the internet or watching one YouTube video, unless I suppose you watch this video, um, (laughs) it's it's hard to know all of these things. Um, Get professional help, whether it's me or otherwise, but get professional help because it is so complicated. And you is just again easy to fall into those traps so if you can't if you don't know the rules you can't win the game and you want to win at this game yeah yeah you at least don't want to lose it you don't want to lose that's absolutely right (laughs) okay cool so thank you so much for joining me today it's been a lot of fun and uh, i think i i love hitting on these topics because i think they're really important so excellent thank you so much chris i appreciate the chance to be on absolutely That's it for today, everyone, but it doesn't have to end there. Head over to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or iHeartRadio to get more from New Hampshire's top entrepreneurs.